0: It's not about the money, it's just about the freedom. (laughs) And so I guess for me, success is having the freedom to live my life the way that I want to and and make others happy doing it.
1: Welcome back to the Slice Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Gallagher, and I'm here with Melanie Gluck, founder and CEO of Hanakini Swimwear, with an interesting side hustle as a luxury reseller. Hello, Mel, how are you doing?
0: Hi, Michael. Doing good. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us. We're excited to learn more about your business.
0: I'm excited to be here.
1: So tell us, how did you get into the swimwear industry?
0: Well, I moved to Hawaii about six years ago, and I began to surf and go on adventures all day with my girlfriends. And I was shopping for swimwear, And I was having to shop two sizes up, and I couldn't really find things that fit my my curvature, my Latina hips. And from there, kind of birthed the idea of just having swimwear that would be more inclusive and more body friendly. And we kind of went. I kind of rolled with it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I love the need based when you're the consumer who wants the product that you're building. Yes. That's kind of like the perfect story. How did you go from a frustrated consumer to I'm gonna jump in and start creating something?
0: It's kind of funny because I never actually, like some people I feel like have a business plan. They're like, hey, I'm gonna start this business, like foundation one, like here are my steps. Like it kind of just happened. By accident, I started buying bikinis from China, basically, and finding out what worked, what didn't, what I liked, what I didn't. And then I was flipping them sort of in the community, you know, and what we now know is like Xi'an and Romwe and some of these companies. But for a while, it just like didn't sit well like supporting these large manufacturing companies in China they were essentially knocking off larger brands and it it all just didn't feel well but i could see that there was a business there i was already selling these bikinis that weren't even my own and i applied for a $10,000 line of credit i got approved opened a business and i i ran with it
1: <laughs> then you ended up manufacturing your own designs
0: Correct. Yeah. So I started going through the manufacturing process and just sort of seeing like what their ethics and values were. Was it a sustainable fabric? Were they paying wages? And I found a few places in Indonesia, which I had already visited. I found a manufacturer that could do the designs that I wanted to do and started from there.
1: Wow. So a few questions there. If you were to tell someone who's just starting out on their entrepreneurial journey and they know that they're gonna need to find a manufacturer, what tips would you offer them?
0: Research, a lot of research. (laughs) Google is an amazing tool that we have at our fingertips now, and even just social media, just seeing what other brands are doing that you love that's in your industry, like research, 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 and tons of reaching out.
1: Yeah, so after you did a bunch of research, you found one that you thought was a good fit, did you have to do like a large sample order or how did that work?
0: Well, it's all been a learning process. Like I said, I never really intended it to like, I just thought I'm going to try to have a swimwear company. And if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to have a bunch of really cute bikinis for me and my girlfriends. That that was sort of kind of how I thought about it. And so going with the manufacturer, like I honestly didn't sample. And now in hindsight was like, oh, like there were so many mistakes that were made because I didn't. And that was part of the research process that I never touched on. And I had to learn those lessons, you know, getting, getting like bulk orders that were not what I thought they were going to be. And like prints that were different colors. So that was part of the learning process. Now I could never launch something without a sample
1: that's a good lesson. And I feel like those, all those experiences on the entrepreneurial road, it's like, it's kind of a prerequisite to any sort of success. You have to have all these many failures. <laughs> otherwise it's like, you're not going to know otherwise.
0: Totally. Exactly. Like, and, and that's just one of many examples in the last like four years of, you had to go through those experiences to realize like, and, and it still happens to this day, you know, our like hang tags didn't come in time for our new collection. And like, we didn't time it out properly. And like, those are just things that have to happen to plan better and to know how to like reach the end product and end goal for your customer.
1: And when you said you applied for a line of credit, I'm curious, where did you apply an SBA loan or?
0: It was a loan with Capital One. So it was a banking firm. Yeah, I went and got basically an LLC business so I could have the number to apply for this line of credit. And that's how we kind of started with it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Did you need to take any other outside investments? Or was it just that 10 that carried you through?
0: It's that 10 that's definitely carried us through. But we're now at this point where it's like, okay, we need to scale. But how can we scale when we only have so much cash flow? So we're kind of at that point where we're like, we're using everything we have in our mill. But like, how can we get to that next level? So that's been sort of a bridge that's being crossed at the moment where it's, you know, looking for more funding and other avenues to reach a wider audience.
1: And so uh, in the early days were most all of your customers in Hawaii, people that you were able to make direct connections with, or did you have some sort of advertising in place?
0: So it was predominantly social media and pop-ups in the first year. Pop-ups always did super well. And just like knowing people and having friends in the community. And then social media was a huge part, I think, in the growth and development and just brand awareness, really.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you build up that social media?
0: Just consistency, like posting a lot and running, you know, a few ads here and there. And yeah, giveaways, partnering with other brands. But really just like consistency. I think the more consistent and and I've totally sometimes fall off because you get so busy with the business, but the more consistent you are, the more people see it and they're like, "Why do I keep seeing this brand around?" and it it kind of builds that hype.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, in building this brand, has it been you as a solopreneur or is there a team with you?
0: It's it's actually been it's been solo for most of it and I actually still, to this day, package most of the orders. I really enjoy it, actually, because, I don't know, just staying connected with the customer. But just about a year ago, I finally invested in help. So I have two employees now that help with a lot of the back-end stuff. And that was a really hard investment to make at first. But now seeing like just how much more can get done and how much more productivity, it's like, how did I ever go this long without more help.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's like they say, even if you're hiring someone who's, let's say they could, since you started the business, know the business best, maybe someone could do 70% of what you could do. But if you hire two of those, you know, that's 140% versus a hundred percent. So it's just like the only way to really scale things up.
0: Exactly. And that that was sort of the mindset like, yeah, you can keep doing this by yourself, but you're gonna keep running yourself into the ground, you're gonna keep burning out and like sort of take a bit of the joy out of why you started this thing that you love so much, and so having the help and and even just a second pair of eyes, I think as a business owner, sometimes you tend you're so emotionally attached to the business, like sometimes it's nice to have that extra perspective to be like, just double check things for you,
1: yeah, totally. I can relate to that because I did the whole solopreneur thing for a long time. And anytime I could, I would just like send all things to friends. Like, what should I do here? Just to get that outsider perspective. Because you do get so wrapped up in it. Yeah. So how about the designs? Who is making those designs? Because they look amazing.
0: The designs of the bikini styles. Yeah. So I sketch everything by hand, basically on a piece of paper, a graph sheet. I take some dimensions in centimeters and I draw it out and then I send it to my manufacturer who is advanced and professional enough to take this little chicken scratch and they turn it into a digital form and essentially make templates. So in theory, if I had sort of the skill and perhaps in the future, it's someone I would hire. I would be doing a lot of that in-house, but because as a designer I can I can only do so much. I sketch everything by hand and then I send it over and they develop the rest.
1: That's awesome. It sounds like you lucked out with that supplier.
0: Yeah, definitely having an a supplier or just a manufacturer who who is specifically in the industry it's they've done it a million times so they know you know how to help tweak your designs to make them exactly what you want them to be.
1: Yeah, and so it seems like people are really enjoying the designs and the brand, and you've gotten some press coverage. How did you land that? Did you have a PR person, or was that just all organic?
0: With the PR coverage, it's mostly been organic, just through friends, other people with businesses, networking. I would say one of our biggest coverages was through an influencer named Ella Halikas. She essentially was one of our first campaign models. And we were one of her first photo shoots through her. We, we built a strong connection in the early days as, you know, beginners in both of our industries. And she's gone on to model for sports illustrated and many other things. And she's been really kind to help kind of keep a little bit of the momentum as kind of like sisters.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And it's great that you found her early, like, working your way up with people at the same pace is, is really a nice thing.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: So when, uh, with the influencer outreach, are you doing like a rev share option with them, giving them X amount per sale, or do you tend to pay influencers just per post? How do you navigate the whole influencer marketing?
0: Oh, yes. It's such an interesting (laughs) build, I feel like, especially with swimwear. Generally, we try and find people who are kind of like authentic and sort of just want to do a trade because they really love the swimwear and they maybe have a little bit of a following with larger influencers who we feel like have a good ROI, like return on investment in their posting. We'll usually just agree on a number for a certain amount of posts or stories or videos. So we've never done really per sale like it just it can be so hit or miss I feel like with influencers and just like the algorithm and like how much is actually coming through from it. I've never found that much success with going that route. So we really only do it if we just honestly need extra coverage or more photos, just different content, different body types of content. I don't really use it as a a sales avenue.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned in the beginning, a lot of those pop-ups were a good way to get momentum. Now that you've kind of scaled, what's your best traction channel?
0: We have gone into essentially wholesaling, going into like basically having stores carry our product. It just has taken a lot of stress off, I feel like, the whole Just being a small team with only a certain amount of cash flow, marketing can be incredibly expensive. And so we're making a smaller portion on our, like our profits are much smaller going into the wholesale market, but it really just takes so much stress off while giving visibility to the brands. And we can focus on the next collection, the new styles, what our customer wants in this like scaling and growing phase.
1: Yeah. And I feel like you're the perfect person to figure out, you know, what's in style. I want to touch a little bit on your side hustle, which I think is so interesting. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so also another business that just kind of happened. <laughs> and it's been 5 years now. I moved back to America 6 years ago and I was completely flat broke after traveling the world. I had like $20. I had a bunch of clothes because I used to work at Free People Anthropology. So I had all these designer cute clothes. My friend was like, you should sell all these. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm not going to sell these. Like, She's like, no, really, like you should get on Poshmark. And I was like, okay, well, if I can get some kind of money, I'm going to do it then. And sure enough, I posted 15 things and sold half of it within a day because obviously I was pricing way too low. (laughs) And, and it just happened, and so that's sort of been a side hustle now for five years. It's kind of always been like the background money, the play money, whatever, travel money, um, and it hasn't been until in the last year and a half now. It also helped fund Hanakini a lot of the time too, and in the last year and a half, it has now been my sole income really, because you know Hanakini is its own wheel, and I I don't get paid from that business.
1: You're just keeping, yeah, keeping the money in the business.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the side business is actually what pays me, what helps pay the employees, what, you know, kind of funds the background of everything.
1: And I imagine those are so like synergistic. You're going out, kind of boots on the ground, doing all this research what's out there, what are people liking, what's selling. And I imagine even if it was, you know, as simple as what colors are people like flying off the shelf now versus, you know, I'm sure that that translates into what you're doing with HanaKini.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. And I even, I mean, I even pick up like designer swimwear, you know, even if they're, you know, competing brands and I, I'm like, I can definitely make a profit on this and I can find out like what are customers buying? Like if it's sold in a day, like, okay, that's a style people love. Yeah, definitely internal knowledge.
1: And you're like getting paid to do your market research. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of genius. I love it. You mentioned that you have been doing that for five years. How old is Hanakini?
0: Hanakini is end of 2018, beginning of 2019. So like four years. Okay. And reselling's been about five or six years.
1: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Also, even to get past, you know, a couple years with the business, you're already ahead of many.
0: Yeah, they were, I would say definitely the first like, up until a year and a half ago, they both were on the side, and I really like in many ways thank COVID, I guess, because I I got laid off and and I really had no choice. I was like I had a fire under under me, and that was just like you have to make this work, or that's it. This is what you have at your fingertips, and for me, going out and and getting another job, like I just couldn't see it. Like I couldn't see myself working for another person, and. I had something. So why not run with it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing that you were able to take that time. I know it was make or break for a lot of people, but glad to hear that you were able to create something out of it. So what has been one of the biggest struggles for you in this business?
0: In Honakini, the biggest struggle definitely is manufacturing. (laughs) Manufacturing has definitely been, it's been a journey. We actually just recently switched manufacturers over the last year to a new manufacturer. It's just been a journey of, of trying to deliver the product in a timely manner and get exactly what you're, you're planning for in terms of your designs, your styles. So that I think definitely manufacturing.
1: And what was helpful in overcoming that?
0: I don't know that we've totally overcome it yet. I think we're still, I think we're still working through it. This new manufacturer so far has been amazing. Um, we're saving a lot more on our cost of goods with them. Um, they're a lot more responsive than my last manufacturer. So those were some big, you know, key points as to why we switched over. But essentially, it's like you you're creating these designs. You're relying on this middle person to organize, get everything ready for you in order for you to deliver it to the customer in a certain amount of time. It's bikinis. And yes, in Hawaii, it's year round, but not necessarily the overall market.
1: Yeah, that was something I wanted to ask how seasonal, like what percent of your business are you getting in these next couple months?
0: Definitely summer is the busiest 100% just because everyone, it's summer everywhere. There's no doubt that in the wintertime, we're definitely still busy. Our stuff will still sell out in the stores, you know, here on Maui.
1: So just U.S. based in terms of where you ship to?
0: We do ship globally, internationally. We don't get that many. I would say our market is predominantly U.S. for sure. Um, Yes, but we do have a few international orders every now and again. I'm like, Germany, wow.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. Because I was going to say you can use when it's summer for our winter, you know, down in Southern Hemisphere. So you're mostly U.S. based um, and you've built this brand. What is kind of the end goal for you? Is this a business you want to continue to run forever? Is it something that you want to scale and sell?
0: That's a really great question. I I don't know that I have an answer or a, you know, a foundation of of what the end goal is, I think as an entrepreneur, sometimes <laughs> you think there's an end goal, but there never is. You're always chasing. I feel like at this point, I think I'm definitely well integrated into the business and want to scale it, grow it, own it, love it. Perhaps in the future, if if maybe it's I've outgrown the business, I may consider selling, um, but definitely at at the moment, i I want to scale it for sure.
1: Yeah. So what would success, I know we've, we talked to a bunch of founders about their definition of success because it's different for everyone. What does success look like to you?
0: Uh, what a question, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as much as it's success is like, of course, about growing your business or, or hitting a certain number or hitting a certain goal, like I like look in my journal because I journal and I do some yoga in the morning. And and one thing that I always read because I wrote it when I started doing my morning practice was like, it's not about the money. It's just about the freedom. (laughs) And so I guess for me, success is having the freedom to live my life the way that I want to and, and make others happy doing it, like delivering a product that people love and hopefully hiring people that also love their job as much as I do.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I I was going to guess like, you know, f- for some of us, success might be being able to surf every day or do yoga every day or get outside every day. And I don't think that that necessarily has any correlation to a certain amount of sales. Um, I know it gets interesting in certain types of businesses where it's, you know, how many people can I directly impact? That's also can be a metric, but I think what you've created is is pretty awesome and if you can fund other people's life while funding your own like that's so cool.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> so, how about the I'm just thinking with funding other people's life, you're also kind of contributing to whoever your manufacturers are, so it's like none of it's wasted, it's all it's all like value being exchanged. So, the manufacturers now that you're switching to, are they in China or are they still in Indonesia?
0: Also still in Indonesia. Okay. Yeah.
1: Any tr- any plans to go visit?
0: I would like to, yeah, definitely um I have a vision of eventually, you know, going over there for 3 months and releasing a collection and working a lot more closely with them, but getting into stores and and into the wholesale route, it's just really important to be here and and connect with the people who are actually selling the product. So Surprisingly, they're pretty, I mean, our communications amazing. We're on WhatsApp and we, you know, FaceTime over designs. And so I'm really connected with them, but yeah, eventually.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's great. Getting into more personal side of things. Where are you in Hawaii? First of all.
0: So I am on Maui.
1: That's great. And what brought you there?
0: My partner. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. We S- met- love
1: brought you there. <laughs>
0: Yes, love. We met in Italy, and we came back here six years ago, temporarily, and and here we are still.
1: (laughs) Awesome. In Italy, you were there for study, for work?
0: I did study, but that was only because if I was in school, they would give me a visa, so then I could stay there. (laughs) So I sort of picked the easiest, most fun degree, and was like cool <laughs> Italian studies. It was like, you know, like classes were basically olive oil tasting and wine tasting. And I was like, that sounds great. Let's do that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, sign me up. And uh, what brought your partner to Hawaii?
0: So he's actually born and raised here. Okay. So he had he had family here um, when we were moving back to America, and he had family here, and I had family in California, and we thought, well, that's an easy option. Let's go to Hawaii. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh, Let's go to paradise. From one paradise to the next, Italy to Hawaii.
0: Well, you create your own life.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I love that. So what are you creating in the years to come that you're looking forward to?
0: I mean, ideally, I would love to buy a home in Italy. (laughs) That's sort of high on the list.
1: Yeah, that would be amazing.
0: Yeah. I think living like six months out of the year there and six months out of the year somewhere else would be ideal. I think the long-term vision of working remote. We also, our fabrics are called, it's Carvaco. It's basically an Italian recycled fabric. So the the fabric is from Italy. And so for me, the long-term would be like, how can we as a company maybe build more of a foundation there? And obviously it's just so close to my heart. From living there. And so, why not integrate it more onto the business side of things? I mean, if you see made in Italy on anything, it's like good quality.
1: (laughs) Yes, I know. It definitely does have that perception, at least. So, moving to Italy or at least having a part time home in Italy?
0: I think going back to creating an international life, but just on a business level, not just frolicking around with $20 as a 20 something year old. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, that was part of, that was a sequential, you had to do that first. It sounds like. So you, cause you met your partner in Italy, is that right? Yes. So had you never been in Italy, frolicking around, you would have never met him. You would have never moved to Hawaii, never integrated with the surfer community, and then never started your business.
0: Exactly. It's everything in hindsight, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and I feel like this is something I'm working on in my life too. Like trusting those little steps, you know, and not having to see it fully through to the end and just trusting that it's going to come together in a way that it should.
0: Yes. So perfectly said. I gl- couldn't agree more.
1: What else would you tell? I know that's something I would tell to entrepreneurs, you know, like it's all going to come out in the wash at the end anyway. So give it a try. What else would you tell any of our listeners who are thinking about entrepreneurship, what's some some of your tips?
0: Definitely just go for it. Don't hold back. Don't hesitate. It's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be the right time. All you have is today, basically. And essentially also that not every day is going to be perfect. And there are days where I feel uninspired, but I have to show up and I want to show up. So make sure it's something that you really love.
1: Yeah, no, that's so true. I'm more like, what do you do when you don't know what you love? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Keep trying everything. Like, try everything until you find something that you can't stop doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Had you always had such an interest in clothing?
0: Yes, definitely. I went to a fashion school to fit them, actually, in L.A., in my early 20s and graduated with a four year from there and loved it. So definitely fashion was always on the radar. And then when I when I went to Italy, I kind of thought I would never do anything with it. I thought, I don't know, I was feeling very discouraged by the LA scene of fashion. And I moved away and and it just sort of found its way back to me.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And cool that you let it go without the expectation of like, because I think a lot of us put pressure on ourselves where, oh, we studied this, therefore we should do X, Y, Z. But sometimes if you, again, like we were saying, just kind of trust, it all comes back into play. Totally. So if you were to start over, I always ask people this, if you were to start over today, you had no brand, you had no money, you had no, maybe we'll say you have the knowledge that you have today, but you don't have any, anything else material what would you do either differently and would you build the same company?
0: I don't know that I would do things differently because like we were saying in hindsight, like you have to have all those experiences, right? But even if it was a blank slate, I think, I think I'm think i just an entrepreneur at heart and I probably would find a way to just create some other type of fashion brand. It feels so instilled in me.
1: Any plans to launch any other type of clothing line under that brand
0: not necessarily another line but i am currently expanding into resort wear so not just bikinis but also casual resort wear beachwear at the moment but i've kind of had that thought before like what if this didn't work out and i thought i'd probably just start another business over <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah that's the sign of a true entrepreneur just like compulsory you you like almost have to create yeah who is the your support system in the difficult times of your business
0: definitely my partner for sure he's god bless his soul michael i love you his name is also michael <laughs>
1: yeah i'm like i love you too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's definitely been through it all with me the days that I'm like, I'm, I can't do this. Like, it's not meant for me. And the days that I'm like dancing around the house because, you know, we sold out and he's, he's definitely been my rock through it all. And, you know, he's also very much into business and he helps keep, keep me level-headed when I need it.
1: Yeah, that's great. How about the tech stack? Are you on Shopify?
0: We are on Shopify. I love it. Shopify is super great.
1: Nice. And have you been the whole time?
0: Correct. Yeah, we've always been on Shopify, which has been nice because we never had to switch anything over. So, they have a really great customer service team that can help, especially if you're if you're an entrepreneur, you're a designer, you're a creator, you might not be super tech savvy, and there's also just a lot of people who are starting to become more knowledgeable about Shopify, so it's, you know, a little bit easier to hire experts on Upwork and Fiverr.
1: Do you use those sites often?
0: I do. When I just see like freelance stuff done, um, it's usually techie or it's usually like graphic design work. It works out perfect. It takes all the stress off of me. And there's just tons of people who are eager to work on there.
1: Yeah, totally. How about for email lists? What's your tech stack like for your newsletter?
0: So we use an app integration called... Privy, P-R-I-V-Y, and I love it. We've been using them for a few years now. I have a ton of updating to do because we'd like to get on, you know, text lists and some of those other forms of reaching out to the customer,
1: like SMS marketing.
0: Correct. Yeah.
1: I think Privy does that. Do they?
0: They do. They they actually just started in the last like year. I feel like they've developed the app a lot to help. Basically, so you can do everything in one place, which has been really nice. Now, it's just a matter of us catching up to what they've developed.
1: Yeah, I have a a good friend. She started Ujjayi, which is like a skincare company, and it's all about letting your skin breathe. She has loved Privy the whole time. Like, everyone, when everyone was on MailChimp, everyone was on, you know, all these other ones, SendFox or whatever. She just was like, Privy has been consistent, great, really reliable, and just really easy to use. How's the deliverability of that? Have you noticed any impact recently with Google getting better at kind of filing things into that promotions tab?
0: I would say it's pretty good. Our most recent mail, it's like a 50% open rate. It's actually gone up a lot. And I think that's just also us being more consistent with reaching out. So I haven't really noticed anything crazy.
1: Have you had to ask customers to like whitelist your email or have you not had to do that? That's great. No. Yeah. That's really great. And then how about, I'm just curious about email. So the actual designs of the email, will, will you outsource that?
0: I don't. <laughs> I actually had an intern last year who got really great at it and she was doing a lot of it for me. And then she left and I was like, no, but I actually, I actually do most of them. And Canva is my best friend in business. Canva is my go-to and I have templates that are pretty much ready and set up and all I have to do is plug in a little bit of information. So for me, I I guess there's already a structure in place that I don't really need to outsource it. I've made it easy enough for myself to do it, but I think in the future absolutely I would love to have someone who's specifically doing emails, customer outreach with time.
1: <laughs> no, that makes sense. What about if people want to find more about your brand, where should they go? Tell us all the socials, all of that stuff.
0: Yeah. So our website is hanakiniswim.com. And we have tons of information on there, like our values, our ethics, where we donate to, where you can shop in store. And then our socials are hanakiniswim. We're on Instagram. We're trying to build up our TikTok.
1: How's that going?
0: It's good. It's a little bit tough because we're in the swimwear business. So, you know, there's only, it's only certain much you can show and then you get shadow banned. So it's been quite a journey with that, but we're working on it.
1: Yeah. Always, always another problem to tackle. But I I love that you sound very resilient with it all.
0: Yes, you have to be.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, anything else that you would want listeners to either know about you or your brand?
0: Definitely come check us out, Sustainable Swim, designed on Maui by me.
1: I love it. We always close or move towards a close with, if you had to describe your entrepreneurial journey in one word, what would that be?
0: Exhilarating. (laughs) Yeah. Exhilarating.
1: Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome. I think there were some good takeaways. You know, do your research if you're going into manufacturing. Expect that the mistakes are inevitable and part of the process of learning and find something that you love and can't help but do. I think those are all really good takeaways. And if you're lucky, find a side hustle that feeds into your main hustle. Yes. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Sliced Podcast. If you enjoyed listening, we would love for you to share this little slice of insight with your friends. See you next week.